Reverse Genius Episode 60, Fortnightly, We Literally Fry Xbox. In this episode, Eric, Don, and Bruce talk about the Xbox Game Pass, air frying, and I literally just told you, along with a bunch of other stuff. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Welcome to another episode of Inverse Genius Fortnightly, the show where we talk about stuff that we like that is not tabletop game related, because we've got a whole other show for that. Anyway, I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Today, I'm thrilled to bring back the person whose brainchild this is. Um, it's Bruce. Hey. Hey, Bruce. Uh, how are you doing, everybody? They can't answer. I, we're, I, we're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate that. That's <laughs> all I need. Essentially, what I need is the audio equivalent of like the tennis ball on a stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, we're like, sure, I know I'm not actually fighting a radioactive ape, but I just need something to, to stare my eyes at uh, right. while I read the lines. Well, um, we should we should go ahead and introduce the third person, the man who puts the wee and we're doing great. Uh, Eric Dewey. <laughs> That's me. I like to wee. No, wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so real quick, one place. Uh, where can you each be found on the Internet? Bruce? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bruce Thanks. Eric. Uh, Eric Hooray! All right. So have you all been having big fun with everything that's going on? Lots of geek stuff. I got to tell you real quick. (laughs) Mm. My wife and I made a trip down to Dallas, uh, arguably Mm. to go to Ikea, which as a side, apparently calyxes are getting harder to find right now. Ikea is having production and transportation issues. Um, I can certainly vouch for the lack of transportation. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you're going specifically to an Ikea for a Calyx, you might check to be beforehand or pre-order it because uh, there's not a lot there. But that's yes. irrelevant <laughs> at this point. Well, that actually, that, but that is a huge tip is is for Ikea, you can but pre-order it for pickup in store, right. which I recommend. Yeah. And, you know, for us, you know, here in Oklahoma, we don't have an Ikea. So the closest is either Kansas City or Dallas, which is both about a four, four and a half hour trip. So, you know, you don't want to drive down there. And then discover, whoops, sorry, and then come back. Um, but we're always looking for an excuse to go to Dallas anyway. And along the way, we made our first stop at Bucky's. And nice. it was everything you said it was, Don, and possibly <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> everything except a truck stop. That's the funny part, right? There are no mm. trucks. It's not a truck stop at all. You, you really can't put a truck there yet they have you know untold number of gas stations so you know at the risk of sounding like those ads where you sound like your dad i'm like well man how much money do they make you know with 55 gas pumps but only for cars and the answer is a lot <laughs> now i'm not saying it's a money laundering operation i would never do such a thing on inverse genius's dime but i will say that the very idea of it sounds like it started as some dubious thing and then turned into, well, you know, we really make a lot of money at this. Let's do it. You know, I was something I was thinking of is like, when did it change from a gas station to a destination? You know, like did mm-hmm. one guy was like, all right, they're in the board meeting. Listen, guys, this might be pretty crazy, but what if we quadruple the square footage, <laughs> get rid of all the truck <laughs> diesel, right? And then just sell everything. <laughs> But don't give them a place to sit and eat because we don't want them hanging around. So we're going to sell, you know, two thirds of the store will be devoted to food that you have to eat in your car. <laughs> right. Or there, there are there are benches and stuff out away from the actual main thing. I mean, like there's a place for you to walk your dog and stuff like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But they don't want you to live in the shop. And in fact, I shared with Bruce a video about these people who went and spent 24 hours at a... Uh, a drugstore, the world's weirdest drugstore place, and the 24 hours at Bucky's, except for they couldn't sleep there because they don't allow you to sleep on site. So don't play yeah, on that. I can see. And so the funny thing was, is we drove down on a Friday night. So we got to Dallas probably seven ish, eight ish, something like that. And that's where we stopped at Bucky's. And we ended up dropping, you know, 100 bucks. I got a Bucky's hoodie. We got beaver nuggets. We got nice. turkey, et cetera. Uh, fudge, man, you can get. A good amount of fudge for like 13 bucks, like over a pound of fudge, I think. It's crazy good. Anyway, and then on the way out the next day, so 
probably about two or three in the afternoon, uh, we stopped by again, get some sodas, get a brisket sandwich, whatever. <laughs> the same people were working at the store. The guy that checked us out the night before, the guy that got us fudge, they were in the same place. It's like they don't ever leave. <laughs> Manned by clones. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The, so my only experience. anyway, maybe that's what we're going to learn. It's going to take like an eerie Indiana twist. Yeah, it's exactly. Bucky's is really only the same four people. Uh, cloned over and over and over again. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I will say that the restrooms are probably the best restrooms I've encountered uh, in a right. in a gas station. Yes, absolutely. So that's it. It's like, if you have the opportunity to visit, definitely. Bruce, it could be those giant beaver statues that they have or some sort of magical totem that they're spreading across the land. Uh, speaking yes. of which, there's going to be one about an hour and a half put in within an hour and a half of my place here in South Carolina. So, nice. Um, and it's kind of almost ish on the way to Columbia, South Carolina for me, which is where one of the conventions that I go to is. So next year, when I head to that con health permitting <laughs> that I'll be able to stop at a Bucky's locally without having to go all the way back to Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, wherever. So now I just need them to start heading North from there. Mm. So it'll be an excuse for you to come down and visit. That is true. That is true. And then uh, I'm going to just add my little bit here, only because Bucky's also touched my world of professional wrestling. Mm. Uh, as two wrestlers had a debate on one of their vlogs uh, about who the best uh, convenience store was, whether it was Bucky's, I think, or Sheets, uh, so they decided to settle it by printing T-shirts about their particular stance. And whichever one sold the most, the other person would have to uh, work as a spokesperson for the other person's thing. And the woman who picked sheets lost the guy who picked Bucky's one. So now there is a t-shirt of wrestler Ruby riot as the beaver from Bucky's. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, he it just had a better design. Her shirt just looked better. Uh, the one that he made of her as Bucky. Uh, and it was pretty great to watch. And it was another case. Once again, when you buy a gold car, you suddenly realize gold cars are on the road. Uh, now that I've heard about Bucky's, I see Bucky's everywhere. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> uh, speaking of stuff we're seeing everywhere, it turns out that uh, I'm not the only one who likes Peacemaker, the TV show, uh, which we talked about recently. And uh, we've been debating the opening credits a little bit off mic. Uh, what's our final decision about the uh, about the music on Peacemaker and the off credits, uh, or I mean, and the opening credits? I'm I'm not sure. Because I can't tell. I want to go back and watch like the first one and compare it to the newest one. So mm -hmm. uh, did we talk about this on the show about the belief that some of the characters dance out of rhythm and some dance in rhythm? Yeah, we sort of did. And and uh, the more I watch it, and I did try and go back and watch the original one, my coworker swears that they even changed the eagle animation so that it's better in later ones. I don't. The more I watch it, the more I think I'm just getting used to them dancing and the way they do it, but um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm, the, the only other thing I've heard about the dance, I don't know if you've seen the most recent thing, is they said that the choreographer was given the job of, you need to make choreography that regular people could do, but that is memorable. So uh, allegedly she was working on it through the pandemic at her house because just that's how everybody was working. And mm -hmm. her husband was helping her a lot, so much so that they brought him on set to fill in for John Cena at points when they were like testing lighting and stuff. And her husband happens to be Alan Tudyk. Yes. <laughs> and they're awesome. showing him like standing in the peacemaker spot working on the choreography. Yeah, that's that's kind of a hoot. And in Alan Tudyk news, a resident alien has started up its second season on sci-fi. So I talked about it in an earlier show. Love it. Go yeah. watch it. Nice. Carry on. So we're tying them all together, y'all. <laughs> well, um, speaking of tying things all together. I, I think we should jump right into our topics of the day, and I'm going to put Eric up first since uh, it has to do with a company that is tying everything together. <laughs> That's for sure. Eric, what are you talking about today? Well, I want to talk about the Xbox Game Pass. Uh, and mm. if you hadn't heard, Microsoft bought uh, Blizzard and Activision fairly recently, mm -hmm. which I can only imagine they got at a bargain price just because of the... Difficulties that the company is having lately <laughs> uh, by not being human. But regardless, uh, so for the longest time, forever really, Microsoft has had the Xbox Gold service, I guess. And originally, mm -hmm. you needed it, we always needed it to play online with people. But if you wanted to run like Netflix or something, you originally needed Gold. 
they eventually dropped that requirement. But um, it, you also got like three free games with it every month. And a lot of times these are older games, but you know, hey, three free games is three free games, right? Well, okay, we gotta call it, we gotta call it what it is. It's included, three games included, because you're paying for the service. So nothing's free about this. That's true, except when you mm. accept those games, if you were to later drop the gold service, you still have those games. So you are technically purchasing them for free, which may come into point here in a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. So. Anyway, and it was it was 50, 60 bucks a year, and it became uh, like on a Slick Deals website, you know, it became the quest of when it got near time for Xbox Live Gold to expire, let's see if I can't find the best deal. And at one point, I could get like three-month cre- uh, three cards, you know, because you can get cards to continue. Uh, and yeah. each mm-hmm. card was only $10, and if you signed up for automatic renewal, then you could get an extra month, and then you can immediately turn off the automatic renewal. So I ended up buying like five of these cards and turning it on and off for each card, and it ended up, you know, I've got tons and tons of time. All right, so that was awesome. And then about last year or so, <laughs> they started this, this Game Pass idea where it's 15, 16 bucks a month, and it gives you all the gold stuff, but you also get uh, tons of games, 100 or so games that you can just play. And these are mm-hmm. actually like day of release type games and, and all high quality type. Well, not all, but, you know, they're, they're, they're games that you want to play. And they, they went ahead and said, hey, you know what? We'll turn your gold membership into a Game Pass membership for you. And we'll throw in a few months as well. And I was like, really? And so once again, I went hunting for a deal. I got a great deal. And then I turned this on. Bottom line is I got like almost two years of Xbox Live Pass for functionally free. (laughs) Nice. Now, when that ends this coming October, then I'll have a decision to make. But until such time, (laughs) I've uh, I've been enjoying uh, the Xbox Game Pass. So uh, basically what you do is you you look on their website and you can pick whatever games that you want to play. You download it to your Xbox and you play it. And it also works for PC as well. I've been playing Back for Blood since the day it came out uh, for quote unquote free uh, and really kind of enjoying, uh, enjoying this opportunity to try out a bunch of the games. Uh, Prey, I've been playing Prey on the Xbox and really kind of getting into it. To me, it's the, the, the coolest thing about it is the fact that all these games that either I don't want to buy or I'm just kind of curious about, it's really just a matter of downloading, playing, and seeing if you enjoy. Right. So, yeah, I was going to mention that. I didn't know you were going to bring up that it, it does both Xbox and uh, PC, but there are two different versions of the, of the Game Pass. There's the Game Pass and there's like the Game Pass Ultimate, which allows you to transport. At least there used to be. It's been a couple months since I've looked at it. Um, but so you got to make sure you're getting the right Game Pass that will go PC as well as Xbox. Or there's just a PC version. Uh, yeah. As with Microsoft, what they love is their price points. Lots of price <laughs> points. Um, the biggest pain with the whole Xbox Game Pass is you can't go in and set up, oh, we're going to do an annual subscription. Because I use this at work. We've got three Xboxes and five PCs. Um, and so we run... Uh, Xbox Game Pass on all of the game, all, all the Xboxes, and we also have those three hooked up to three of our PCs. One thing you can't do is if you're playing, uh, what was one of the games you mentioned, Eric? Um, back for Blood. Back for uh, yeah. If you've got that running on the uh, um, PC and someone turns it on on the Xbox, well, one of those is not going to work. You can't run them on at the same time. That is um, true. So don't. So don't think you're going to be playing with your kids, uh, though there's not a lot of cross between PC and Xbox anyway. Um, but it is an amazing thing. The, the variety of stuff they have is pretty huge. Now, just like Netflix or other streaming subscription services for video, titles are not on there permanently. So there are stuff that's dropping out because they're deals with other companies. However, it looks like everything that is made native by Xbox or by Microsoft or one of the many companies that they own, when it goes on there, it's going to live there. They may or may not make it available elsewhere to avoid um, the big worry about uh, monopoly stuff. Though, right. if you look and say, hey, wait a minute, there's this thing called Steam and a thing called Nintendo. 
uh, we certainly don't have a monopoly. So I don't think that any calls for their complaints about the Activision Blizzard monopoly issue are realistic to be concerned about. True, true. And then I'm going to throw in my couple of cents because I'm getting it in a slightly different way than either of you, which is, so I have, um, I love Target. I'm one of those people. And I have notifications set up when any of the next-gen consoles come out. And they were like, oh, hey, Bruce, uh, the new Xbox is out. Do you want to buy it? I said, well, let me take a look. And it was the Xbox S, which is the all-digital, you can't put anything physically in it. You're going to have to download it all. And I was like, you know what? Okay, let's, you know, I've never owned, like, I've never been the guy in the next-gen system of the next-gen time. I've always been either the Nintendo guy or the person who's like a half a step late. Sure, let's go for it. And they said, oh, cool. I just have to buy it. Oh, wait a minute. The only way we'll sell it to you online to guarantee that you walk in the store and get it is if you take this weird financing deal from Microsoft. (laughs) So I said, okay, let's explain this to me because I don't understand why I can't just buy it from Target. And they're like, well, let's explain the deal. Here was the deal, and I liked it. Uh, Game Pass is $15 a month. Give us $25 a month. And after two years of taking Game Pass, you own that Xbox now. So essentially that $300 Xbox is $240 if you'll buy Game Pass as well for the next two years. And then mm-hmm. the Game so, Pass drops down to $15? Uh, yeah, then the Game Pass drops yeah. down to $15 or I guess whatever it is at the time right, when right. I get there. No, that um, sounds But for the good. first two years, and I was like, you know what, at 240 for the system, let's give it a try. And I am absolutely enamored with it playing completely different games than y'all are. Um, <laughs> like I'm playing a lot of Forza. Which, for mm-hmm. years, I'm a racing car game yeah. guy, whether you'd expect it or not. And I've played Gran Turismo. I played that way back in the day. I've got, like, the racing wheel for the Switch. <laughs> so I can mm-hmm. play any of my racing games on the Switch. I love racing games. And I've wanted to play Forza for years, ever since they had the setup where you could set up three Xboxes to three monitors and have, like, a full cockpit. Uh, and it is, what a delightful game. I've been able to play that. I've been able to play a lot of stuff that I have in my uh, wait list on switch yeah i was like oh this is a game i'd like to try at some point Uh, i finally got to download a cricket game oh because i was like hey let's learn a little (laughs) more about cricket via video game oh yeah i've been really impressed with it and the deal with the xbox once again it's about if you have the disposable income to lose 25 bucks a month but if you do (laughs) you end up with an xbox with a controller and a hundred games to play and just like both of you have said they're not all shovelware there is, you know, one one man's treasures, another person's shovelware, so there's going to be some stuff you're just not going to like. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I have a download sitting. As soon as the game comes out, uh, Major League Baseball's The Show, which is their big console release every year. The day it comes out, I have it. Yeah, it's cool. I, I will say, though, that you mentioned Gran Turismo. Did you hear that 7 was just announced? No. So supposedly it'll be out on the PS5 uh, in March. I, I don't believe it, but yeah, so... There will be a new Gran Turismo, which will probably be exactly like the other Gran Turismo, but shinier. So who knows? <laughs> I was going to say, have you tried Forza Horizon? No, that's I think that's the one I'm playing is Forza Horizon yeah. 5. That's it's what's such on a, there. It's such a laid back racing game because you're like driving around the town until you get to the race. And then it's like, you know, all, you know, nobody, nobody lives. I want to win the race. And then you kind of cruising around the town to the next spot. <laughs> I like it. I love it it made me realize years and years and years ago because everybody was sort of obsessed with the time for me it was a grand theft auto vice city that was the grand theft auto i got into and i by and large like i didn't really want to pick up hookers i didn't want to shoot people all i would do is steal a car and drive around and listen to radio stations (laughs) yep um and like if there was some sort of thing like they had some missions where like you did them with a remote control helicopter i would go do those but like i by and large didn't really want to get into the crime part of it you know not that i didn't understand why the game was made i understood that like selling cocaine was the deal of the game but i found myself what made me buy it and what made me play it for hours and hours was getting in and like listening to the 80s tunes and forza is doing that like you literally part of what you win sometimes is a new radio station and i'm loving it Hmm. Uh, it, it's sort of like the the part of Grand Theft Auto I really liked, just <laughs> as its own video game. Cool. Just it's exactly what Eric said. I think yeah. I, technically, it's not Forza. It's Forza, Forza Horizon is what's on the hmm. uh, Xbox Game Pass, and I love it. I agree with what Eric said. It is uh, very intense bits of racing sprinkled in amongst like an economic game where you buy cars and then just strolling around <laughs> town looking at things. Uh, hmm. I love it. And that was a day one availability on 
Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, whatever the newest uh, Forza that's on uh, on the Xbox Game Pass is. We had some kids who were playing it recently, and they keep buying new cars and then not tuning them up, and then wondering why they suck. Uh, they're like yeah we got this new car it should be really fast it's like well first of all don't drive your mclaren uh, across a field you're not going to get good good go there and second of all you need to tune this car up and so it's hilarious just listening to them complain and you try and explain them no no if you do this i'm like no no i want this other car with the other paint job and the blah blah like no just tune your car up (laughs) so the xbox deal that you mentioned is that was kind of surprising is the financing that they have and i didn't know it was offered through target but when they first announced the you know release you could do all of that through the microsoft website and it's like oh well you can pay monthly monthly and it's like i'm not going to pay any more if i get this monthly deal where i'm making monthly payments to microsoft than i would for stuff i'm already going to have and you know so in the end, the station isn't going to cost you extra. So it's not like not like a normal finance thing where you're going to have to pay. So that's cool. Yeah, it's 0% financing, although it was just very weird being on Target's website and Target's website saying, oh, no, you can't use your Target stuff to buy this. The only yep. way we'll let you buy and you can come pick it up at your local Target. But you mm-hmm. must go through the Microsoft steps to finance through Microsoft's thing. So it's a very weird, like, three-card Monty situation that doesn't feel a super secure. Like, I don't want to say super secure because that means a different thing on the Internet. But, like, the whole time you're like, why did Target make me do this? Why is Microsoft financing a thing? What's going on? Ooh. That's because they want you to go there. And if you're buying hard copies of video games or you're buying cards for your for your games... Uh, then, then they, or you're buying controllers, they want you to come back to the Target website still. So they're still yeah. getting value out of that. And they might even get a kickback from Microsoft because they're the source of the purchase. So I would guess they must be, but the idea that I could not buy that console unless I did it this way was very strange, but fortunately worked out well for me. Excellent. So, so something that worked out well for me is for Christmas, I was gifted a air fryer. And that's what I'm going to nice. be talking about today. Because last year, I, I got myself uh, one of those Instant Pot things, and that has turned out delicious. And the uh, roast beef recipe that Bruce recommended, the Mississippi Pot Roast, is, yep. is wonderful. Uh, the only problem I have with that recipe is that it doesn't make the best shepherd's pie. Because um, it's a different kind of season <laughs> seasoning okay. setup than, than what I like my shepherd's pie to taste like. But on the other hand, if you're going to eat all the roast and enjoy the roast, it doesn't matter whether or not it's covered in mashed potatoes and loaded with veggies on the inside. So, too true. Uh, but back to the uh, to the air fryer. So there's a two basically two different versions of what an air fryer is. One of them looks like a big old rice cooker with uh, heating elements and fans and stuff on top. And what turns out to be a relatively small bin at the bottom where you're going to shove in a circular-ish thing where you're putting the stuff down and it shoots the hot air down and it convexes all around it. And the other one looks like an old-fashioned toaster oven mm-hmm. that uh, has the shelves on it. And that's the one I got. It was a, a Cuisinart version of an air fryer. And I will say that it makes some of the best nachos I've ever made. And it is a delightful thing. So have either one of you used air fryers in any way, shape, or form? Do you have either version of it? I have not. I So this is a whole, I can't wait to hear what you have to say, because uh, Rocky and I uh, debate about the air fryer. Okay. Uh, because one of the things I've always said is I didn't want to own a fryer in the house before the air fryers were a thing. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I just don't want the temptation of being able to make fried chicken anytime I want to. I want it to be difficult. So I want to hear more about it. Okay. All right. So first of all, just... It's not a fryer. Don't let okay. anybody lie to you about frying. You're not actually frying anything. That said, for me, the biggest advantage is it's a, a better form factor for uh, for cooking small batch foods. You know, it's just myself, my wife, and occasionally my son here eating in the house, so we don't have to heat up the big old oven. It's a smaller mm-hmm. smaller area. It's also easier to clean. Uh, that's great. Uh, the user interface on this particular one is crap. Uh, it takes a lot of time to sort of figure out how you're doing anything and making stuff work. It's not like, oh, it's an oven. I'm going to turn the time on. I'm going to push a button and it's a thing. Instead, mine has a menu of options to try and make things easier. But it's not just that. It's the next time you use it, it's going to use whatever you did with that particular menu option as the preset. So you're constantly, if you're me and screwing things up, changing the presets on your Cuisinart air fryer. 
Now that said, it does amazing. If you like fries, but you can't eat them all. So say you go and order a small fries at, at five guys and you've got five weeks worth of fries left over. Fries are horrible. Like 15 minutes out of the, after they come out of the fryer. Oh yeah, they are. You can take these bad boys. You can toss them in the air fryer. They will crisp and warm those things back up and they will be super delicious. Uh, now I like my fries crispier than my wife does. So we are now thumb wrestling over what the appropriate fryness is. <laughs> we have done homemade pizzas in this thing. Uh, with the pre-prepared crusts, but we're still loading them up with all the toppings. Those are wonderful. Frozen pizzas come out great. As I mentioned before, I have done some fierce freaking nachos on on this, but mostly what it appears to be is we're taking some semi-prepared foods and or pre-prepared that we're taking from elsewhere and using them like that. I have not gotten up the boldness. Oh, wait, that's a lie. I did make lamb. I did some sort of uh, joint of lamb thing that I, that I brought. And that was super delicious, which did actually make an amazing shepherd's pie. So um, the leftovers. So you can do big chunks of meat. You can do small things. You can make uh, fried breadsticks. Okay. Because anytime you buy a bag of something that's pre-breaded, they've got enough fat in there to choke an artery. Um, so if you're wanting something off of this and you're wanting to get it crispy, if you're wanting your tater tots uh you know, slightly crispy on the ends outside and, and lightly fluffy, delicious on the inside. You can just throw them in the little basket, put them on the rack, and and it is amazing. Um, I don't know that I've answered any of your questions, though. Uh, what, are, what are your concerns or questions about this thing? Well, I think you have covered a certain amount of it because there's no amount of, like, extra fat that needs to be in there. Because in, in my head, there's also the old, like, Ron Popeil stuff that was very similar to this. And you would always say, like, mm-hmm. just throw in a tablespoon of fat and you're ready to go. Um, right. Yes. So it's a tabletop convection oven is really what it is. Okay. Okay. And so it's going to super spin that air around in there to crisp up and to get a little more even heating all over it, which is interfered with a bit. If you get, uh, if you have to put the pan underneath whatever it is to catch all the drippings, because especially with this, when I was cooking my, uh, like a lamb, it had to have the solid tray on the rack. Okay to catch anything that was dripping it mm. still worked out well it still made a delicious delicious meal but the convection was not going to be as good or as strong because the heating element that was on the bottom it was a little probably a little tougher to get the air circulated around on the inside so but it came with a pan so i assume they want you to use it now i will ask could you have done that lamb better in just a regular oven mm, no not better i don't think it's certainly not as fast a regular oven would not be as fast as a as an air fryer air fryer is okay. going to cook stuff a little bit faster okay. uh, now the first couple times i made it i was like oh i've got these frozen pizzas i'm going to throw them in there and i overcooked those things i mean they were still edible but the top looked a little a little dark and sunburnt um, okay but uh, so so be careful with that and it was like i know those the pizzas like oh cook 13 to 17 minutes and it was like 10 minutes later and they were done. So fair enough. And it heats up a lot faster than a normal oven. Oh, nice. Cause I know a lot of like, cause I go to the Asian supermarket all the time and buy things. And a lot of the stuff you'll see that's the fro- that are frozen items now specifically have air fryer instructions on them. Yes, that's yeah. good. And I would say if you're making it yourself and you're doing veggies, like you're doing chips, you are going to want to toss your chips in oil uh, your potato chips and uh, crisps. If you were, you know, on the other side of the pond, you know, toss them in lightly in oil and then spread them out thin okay. and do them in small batches. Nice. So that's it. I'm liking this thing a lot. It just, it, there is a learning curve to get past the um, overly complex uh, keyboard or panel that your in- control panel interface. <laughs> The interface, the interface is, is a little dubious, uh, but once you've mastered that, and because of that, I'm the only one in the house who uses it. Um, <laughs> if it was easy to use as an oven, my son would be using it probably all the time. I think uh, my wife has used it once, and that was while we were doing group pizza, and so I had just done it and I said, here, if you push this button when you put your pizza in, it will be done when you're ready for it. Um, and I don't know how the other varieties go. Uh, I'm glad I got this one, though, because it's large enough that you can do a whole bunch of, you know, enough chicken tenders for the entire family at once. Nice. You know, so I've, I actually, I've done raw chicken and a bunch of other things a couple times. And apparently it makes amazing wings, which is what I'm going to make later this weekend. So very cool. I, uh, I think we need to get away from this and get on to something that Bruce literally just told me about 
Bruce. And speaking of the other side of the pond, mm. uh, we're going to use that as our transition. So we uh, well documented my love of game shows. Uh, so I do everything I can to catch all the game shows everywhere I possibly can to at least see what the format looks like and go, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and there's a brand new game show that uses uh, a lot of the same people. So there seems to be this connection on TV4 in the UK, and it sort of starts at Taskmaster. Once you learn about Taskmaster, you start to understand who all these like D-grade celebrities are. And then you're like, oh, uh, most of them are on uh, 8 out of 10 cats. That's fun. And then you're like, oh, 8 out of 10 cats takes over Countdown. Oh, okay, so that's like a real game show, but with the people I like from the other thing. Well, now Jimmy Carr, who hosts all that stuff, is hosting a new game called I Literally Just Told You. The format is a little something like this. Anytime during the game, at all period, at any moment, anything that is said or done around the contestants can be a question. The, the whole premise of the show is we're going we're gonna to hand you all the answers. Even during the parts of the game where they didn't literally just tell you, they hand you the answers at the beginning. So they're on stage. Jimmy Carr is very Jimmy Carr about things. There are two question writers live on stage that are writing questions about what's going on as the game happens. With that, on the stage, there are four uh, just people, just regular, average people. Uh, this is the part. We've all watched this. And the one thing that Donald brought up that Donald didn't necessarily love is they do the thing game shows do. Uh, which is they go, hey, Cynthia, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm all right, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, so what are you going to do with this money, Cynthia? And often it's something like, well, I've never been able to own a home of my own, so I'm hoping that if I win this stupid game show, I can get enough money to actually buy a house. Oh, good luck with that. Um, so there's a little bit of that like current game show ick on it, um, which only mm -hmm. becomes ickier because of the form of the show. I think the form of the show is brilliant. We'll cover it in just a second. Uh, but remember this. So it's it's not even like you studied for a long time and you know trivia and you're going to try and beat this trivia game to win a house. No, you've got to pay attention to all the stupid stuff Jimmy Carr is doing. So it begins with a candidate introduction. They show a little video about each of the candidates. Uh, hey, this is Cynthia. She drives a bus in Wellingham, Gloucestershire. Uh, she has seven kids, but then on the screen is a picture of 11 kids. Um, and they'll just do kind of a quick package, but then later they'll ask another contestant. Okay. In Cynthia's video, we said Cynthia has seven kids, but how many kids were on the screen? And you have to have paid enough attention to know that 11 kids were on the screen. Um, that is sort of how the whole game runs. Uh, there are what are called moneymaker questions where at the beginning they give you the three options that are possible. So it might be like during the day, during the night, uh, never happens in the real world. And they'll say, you know, dawn. Oh, that happens during the day. Yes. Uh, and then they'll give you something magical and you'll have to say it's from another world. And then there are memory rounds. The mm -hmm. memory rounds are literally, I just told you, you saw something happen. Tell me what you saw. The other thing they do that's kind of sneaky is they'll have Jimmy Carr say, okay, we're taking a break all right, so what do I need to do? And he'll sort of do stuff that feels like backstagey things where he's, you know, saying something into a camera about a TikTok dance challenge. And then something will come up for a channel four show. That's a promo for something. And then he'll tell an assistant. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Bring my cat, uh, Mr. Bigglesworth here. And no, give him the chicken. He loves the chicken. You know, he loves the chicken, Tom. And then he'll go to the next one. Okay. And the name of my assistant, what's his name? And they have to remember that the guy's name was Tom. And that's how the entire game works. Each round, they get a person off stage that has the lowest amount of money until there are two people left. Those two people pull all of their money into a giant pool, and then they have a shootout to decide who the winner is. This is another real fun thing this game does, is there are stacks of questions they have that were written through the show. Each of the people picks five questions they want to kind of attack the other person with, and then it's uh, like soccer shootout style. We're going to go five questions. At the end of five questions, the person who answered the most wins the game. I have not seen what happens in the event of a tie. Uh, I just mm. haven't seen that happen. Oh, yet. they go to a they go to a sudden death okay. shootout. So, is it just more shootout, or is it a closest number thing? No, I think it's more shootout. Okay. And then whoever wins the shootout wins all the money, and they're very happy. And the other person almost got to buy their house. And that's yeah. the one part I don't like is like the losers, you know, coming in second. Like if you come in second in Jeopardy, you're still walking away with a few grand. But yep. in this one, it's nice to meet you. 
You get the winner you get takes to carry all the chair actually. off the stage. Yep. <laughs> Which they have to give back. I think the winner takes all aspect of you're not getting your money, but you're getting your money and the other person, the second place person's money as well. Yes. That is kind of weird. That is kind of weird. And um, it has the attitude and personality of a game show being played with comedians, but it's being played with people. And it yeah. does, it does. It has that feel. And it's weird is because, um, they, uh, you mentioned how they'll break in and say, Oh, we're going on a break. They will actively distract the participants by, Oh, we're handing out bottles of water to you. And this, that, and the other thing. And so I might be busy opening my bottle of water and try not to spill it all over myself. And you're giving away mission critical information, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, and the other is, is that yeah, he's not shy about ridiculing the people on the show. Uh, really at all oh no it very much plays like cats does countdown in his personality um i agree yeah he'll roast people as a matter of one of the best clips is he just had a bunch of people and here's the thing is that it's always played as like oh you're an idiot i literally just told you whereas if you watch it like are they stumbling yeah but i'm sure it's the lights and the production people and stuff happening over there and we're in the middle of covid so the nine people that are allowed to be there are all in masks and then two of those people uh were two of the three members of right said fred so like you're kind of just dealing with all this stuff happening to you so Mm -hmm. even simple things you know, like, tell me the first letter of the alphabet. B? Oh, shit, it's A. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, you're an idiot. You thought it was B. Are you going to run with that? Uh, you can't fix it. Let's take a look. Oh, no, of course it's A, Tom. I understand. You clearly just don't okay. want to win anything. So so that one episode that, that I watched is is one of the guys is like, well, I said that already, so that's the one I'm going to have to go with, even though the guy kept saying, is that the sure? Are you sure this is what you want is the answer? But in the final round, Somebody said the wrong one and then immediately said the correct answer. And it was like, nope, that was, you said the other thing first. That's what you have to take. So why does he waste our time saying, well, you've said an answer. Uh, are you sure that's what you want to go with? If that's what they're going to make them take, or is that only a rule for the final round or is it um, not a rule? And he's just griefing people. I have no idea what's going I think on. The first thing you say is what you have to go with based on having watched, I think five of the episodes. I think he's okay. using that as a filler to buy time because one of the things I've always said about let's make a deal is that let's make a deal is an incredible uh, class on improv. As much as there are mm-hmm. things that are set, having either Monty Hall or or um, uh, or Wayne uh, Wayne Brady, thank you, or Wayne Brady, remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, I grab this person. We're going to play a game with Jonathan Mangum. If you give up that game, in my left pocket is an envelope. If you like the envelope, good. If not, go to door number two. If you take the envelope, we grab another person. There's an envelope in my other pocket. Like all of that sort of the magicianship of it is uh, what I've always mm-hmm, impressive mm-hmm. about that game. With this, I think it's it's you know not quite as prop heavy, but I think sort of verbally it's the same deal. Because the questions are being written live. So I think a lot of it is him having to extemp on the spot with people. So I think his doing that is just looking over at the clock that says there's still 17 minutes of time left. <laughs> and him having right. to say something to kill another 11 seconds. Part part of that, I mean, that's fine. But he's sending, I think he's literally sending mixed messages about what the show is or how yeah. it goes. And, and you mentioned the... Um, taskmaster before and him you know the taskmaster guy picking on people doesn't bother me at all because that is what he's doing the entire show Mm -hmm. right it's like obviously we are here for biting wit and and sarcastic whip you know uh banter right this is this is why we're here for the show in um i literally just told you half of the time they are pulling at your heartstrings about how nice these people are and and how good and then then he's just mean I think if it was all mean and you had to work to get him to be nice to people, then it would be a hilarious bit. And I would find it, you know, much more funny. It's like, okay, I get the deal. But as it is, the whiplash is, I think the con- the conceit of the show is pretty amazing. And I would suck at it. I think we learned that last night when I was watching the first, uh, the first episode. Uh, and that may also be my problem is I didn't dig deeper into it. And I've only seen the first one that was available on YouTube. Um, but I would like to see a little more consistency, um, and and then I would probably get into the show a little more. I, I think one of the beautiful things about it is it's a rare piece of television that needs you to put all your other devices down. 
It wants yes. you to pay yes. full attention That's amazing. to participate. And it doesn't ask you for anything else outside of what it's doing. You know, like Jeopardy yes. wants you to have spent years uh, studying all kinds of stuff for trivia because that's the sport you're watching. Uh, this essentially outside of the moneymaker questions, which are multiple choice, it just wants you to pay attention to it, um, which is weird in a piece of media, which I think is kind of neat. I, I, mean, I, I think the whole con- concept is pretty brilliant. Uh, I will absolutely say that. And most of the stuff my issues are, I think, just issues with the way I engage with it as opposed to it not being not being a good piece of bit to watch. And I would say the we've talked yeah, about my me, aversion to cringe yeah. in the past. For me, I mean I really enjoy the show. I like Jimmy Carr as in general. I really actually I like the question writers. They mm-hmm. were they were a lot of fun too. Um mm-hmm. what I, the things I don't like about it, and he kind of pokes fun at it a little bit, is the whole who wants to be a millionaire esque stuff in it. And yeah. I was never a big fan of Millionaire because to me it was like, oh, we take five, ten minutes of questions and stretch it through 22 minutes of show by dramatic lighting and, mm-hmm. you know, poking at them and saying, well, are you sure about this? What are you thinking? You know, having them talk instead of, you know, instead of Jeopardy style, question, answer, question, answer. Yep. So I'm not a huge fan of that. And they, of course, do that quite a bit in here. Although I do like, you know, Jimmy Carr saying things like, now we're going to turn on the, you know, spooky lights or, you know, whatever, dramatic lights and and stuff. And so, and I, and I, I understand that's just how game shows are now, but to me, it's, it's, um, it's a, you know it gets in the way of what I'm really here for. I don't care what they're thinking. I want to hear them say something or or you know sort of joke about what they just said. I don't want to. Well, you know, I'm kind of thinking it might be this, but I'm not really sure, etc. So, but I do enjoy the show. And one of the things that I find kind of weird is this sort of I don't know under un, underground consciousness that is noticing these shows at the same time. And this is something I was thinking about while I was shoveling snow, because I heard about this from uh, our children's pastor, who is a big fan of Taskmaster. And he's like, oh, I just started watching this show called, you know, literally, I literally just told you. And he's kind of telling me about it. And I'm like, oh, I've seen it out of 10 cats. I like Jimmy Carr. Let's, let's see what this is like. And it's like, how does this sort of bubble up into the, the zeitgeist consciousness of those of us who are just, I guess, really into British uh, British comedy shows. So I think yeah. part of what it is this time is the world's getting smaller. I think even through COVID we've seen it. like the world felt very small before just because with, you know, internet information, you know, what's happening as soon as you wake up is now because we were all trapped. We've all figured out ways to get to the media. We really want wherever in the world it is. So like, I literally mm-hmm. just told you, I learned about it like three days after it came out in England because I'm paying enough attention now. Like, you know, Rocky and I are like watching stuff on channel four live. So we were already looking for, um, big fat quiz. And I think we heard about it on big fat quiz. Cause it's another Jimmy Carr thing. So we were like, Oh, we'll have to test, check that out. And then what I've been shocked about is exactly what you're saying, which is, I know that I'm bootlegging my way into channel four to watch it. I don't know what everyone else is doing. But everyone seems up on it at the same time, which I agree. It's just super cool to see kind of everybody that's into this brand of nerd find it all at the same moment. Yeah, Mm. differently. And that's the other thing that I was thinking of is why is it that we have to go through such hoops to see it? I mean, I recognize it's licensing and stuff like that. But, I mean, this is literally money on the table. I would pay, you know, a streaming service fee, you know, 60 bucks a year to be able to stream all the TV4 stuff here in the U.S., I have never. Are they not on BritBox so, or something? Oh, no. And that's the thing. Like, so everybody, like people I know kind of look at me crossways when I say I use a VPN to get into England and all that. If it was available legally in the U.S. for me to watch with a service fee, I'd do it. Uh, but it, on BritBox, you can see eight out of ten cats from, I think, like six, six or seven years ago is the newest um, and they have none of this other stuff. So they have like one or two BBC game shows. They have QI. They have something else, and that's it. They don't really dig into all of these like crappy British game shows, which I love. And if there was a service that would let me watch them legally, I would do it in a heartbeat. I agree with you, Eric. I'd pay that fee gladly. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I don't know whether it's A, like there's something in the game that's hard to license, or it's the kind of thing where they want to sell it to the U.S., so they don't want to present it to the U.S. until, you know, like ABC mm-hmm. or CBS buys it, or 
what the deal is, but for whatever reason, well, you just can't get it here. Yeah, it's it's weird though because I've been watching the uh, the Great Canadian Baking Show, okay. Which because Pillsbury owns the words Bake Off, they can't call uh, uh, you know the Great British Bake Off here in yeah. the U.S., and so they have to go with the Baking Show. Um, and I had to watch that on YouTube, and the YouTube interface of finding the right episode for the right season without getting spoiled based yeah. on the screenshots of the other episode is really annoying. And you'd think that when Netflix bought the rights to the Great British Baking Show that they would have sewed up all the other rights for the Kiwi baking show, which I want to watch next the American baking show, which has one, one to four episodes on Hulu, um, et cetera, et cetera, that, that Netflix would have just gone all in because I would watch all of these stupid baking shows because that's, the tradition is like Connie and I get home on Friday. We put on a baking show. We have a dessert. Hooray. And they really could work this stuff out a lot better. That's, that's all I'm saying is we would definitely watch some of these things. I think some of that is, is the British companies kind of come up with it and then they just sell the format all over the world. And they're only vaguely connected in as much as that corporate daddies know each other. You know, it's not really a thing, you know, like weakest link. Well, yeah, but Paul Hollywood Paul Hollywood was in the Great American Baking Show once, so he absolutely could have leveraged all of that onto Netflix because that's his company, I think. Or he, I don't know if he's the the owner, but he's the one of the big people in it. Yeah, so. but I mean, like, just being able to get the game show host doesn't necessarily. I mean, once again, I don't. I'm not not going to pretend to know the complicated rights of these particular shows, but I know in a lot of cases, like the U.S. weakest link is not really connected to the British weakest link, other than ITV owns the format and brought over the host. But I don't think like the production companies are the same or the rights holders are the same, even though the show is exactly the same. Um, mm. You know, like like the U.S., we did Taskmaster. It was not good. <laughs> so, you know, if all you had seen was the Comedy Central U.S. Taskmaster, you would not believe what everyone likes about it. So I don't know. Like, I'm almost guessing for some of these games, it's either A, they think that the audience is too small or B, once again, they're hoping to sell the rights to Fremantle or somebody over here in the US to produce it and they're afraid if you see the British I literally just told you it'll somehow spoil the US I literally just told you uh, but that's that's only a guess on my part I, I don't know it also maybe that it's only like six episodes in and they're not even sure if it's going to work over there so mm-hmm. yeah about the I literally just told you is Eric was talking about sort of the stall- stalling between the segments mm-hmm. and I really like sort of the random engagement that you have and I literally just told you compared to the excessive drawn out dun, dun. we're going to wait yes. to tell you an answer forever of, of some of the other game shows so you know as, as much as there are elements of it that are not for me there is a lot of it that is much better than other game shows so and i think the one thing that i can because by and large eric as much as i always try to say i'm not that trivia nerd that cares that much i'm in for other things i agree with you the pacing on millionaire was uh, physically painful to watch uh, at <laughs> least here that banter in the middle can be used Mm. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So I. Th- oh, really? Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, part and of it, it makes it so that you have to care, uh, which is a fun thing to do. Like, there's one thing they keep passing around on the internet where it's the episode where everyone did garbage on it, and it was awful, awful, awful. Yeah. Which was amazing <laughs> because a lot of it was the banter of, "All right, so uh, name a place." We talked about it. Cindy's been there. Uh, name a place where you can get you know a lime daiquiri, and he's like, "What about Mars?" So of all the possibilities of a place, <laughs> you gave me celestial body Mars. All right, bold gambit. Let's see if it's that. No, of course it's not. It's Langham and Hampshire. You know, mm-hmm. and then a question later is uh, Timothy in the stupidest answer that could be given on a TV game show so that you could get daiquiris where, you know, so I think it's kind of neat that those in- interstitial bits of talking to the players can come up later. So do you think that, that they have a contestant who is never going to win, but that they just farm for questions? They go, we're not bringing this guy on because he's an con- actual contestant. He may be a plant or something so that we can use him for stupid answers and stupid questions. I don't even think they need to do that because the lights and the sound and the, you know, like they're going to, I'm going to guess, grab people for personality because this isn't mm. a game that requires a special skill set. Like, so if you're playing Jeopardy, we need somebody really good at trivia. <laughs> That's what we need, because if not, the sport looks bad, because that's why no one pays money to watch like a Little League baseball, because they're just not good at mm. baseball. 
Um, so you can't do that on these game shows. Password. They, you know, check and kind of make sure that you really kind of understand how to give one word clues to make an entertaining and competitive game. You don't need that here. So I just need happy, smiley people. And if I take a happy, smiley person and I then put them under an incredible amount of pressure, uh, they're mm-hmm, just going to mm-hmm. be stupid. I don't even need to. I don't need to fake it. Yeah. I can just wait oh, yeah. because I hold all the cards because Jimmy Carr's used to the light. She can't get him. He's not going to be trouble. The two question writers are not in the line of fire enough that they're going to be trouble. So you can just keep hurling pressure at the players. Like as much as I like lights and cameras and things, if you put me in that situation, I'd crumble. Because I'm not used to three, you know, $250,000 cameras pointing at me while $4 million in lights are blinking around me. Uh, And I think I probably am used to it more than your average person. It just felt like, and of course, it's tough to level out the difficulty of all questions, right? I mean, that's trying to do that on the fly, I imagine, would be daunting at best. Uh, mm-hmm. But it really felt like in the first episode, one of the guy got all the questions that I would never have been able to answer. And <laughs> two of the people got questions like, yes, I could have answered at least 80% of the ones that they answered, you know? And so it, it sort of felt like that they were trying to milk one guy for, for bad answers. But on the other hand, it could just be the way that the, you know, the dice rolled and it wasn't a thing. And the Jimmy Carr's ability to do improv and understand when the person on the other side of the improv is failing miserably and how to kind Mm. of beat them to death. You know, it's that he's like, Oh, uh, Steven clearly can't take this. So I'll just keep needling Steven. Uh, but I don't think they need a plant. I think probably Jimmy Carr is good enough or the writers, you know, are saying in Jimmy Carr's ear. Yeah. Look, Steven's way behind. Just keep talking to him. He's not going to get far in this game anyway, and let's just keep seeing what he nice. does. And, and like I said, I think I'd be better if he was beating everybody to death more frequently or being nicer to everybody more frequently. But yeah, it's if, if it was all, if it was a little more uniform there, I would absolutely love this show. So They've done one episode with celebrities. Alex Horn is actually one of them that comes on the show. Ooh. Uh, someone on one of my threads somewhere said, what I'm waiting for is eight out of 10 cats does I literally just told you. And that's when this game will hit its final form because then he can be as brutal as he wants to. The numbers don't really matter, but you want to see people compete. Like, I think that may be the highest form because yeah, bringing civilians in for this and especially to bring a civilian in and do the, so what are you going to do with the money? Oh, well, I'm going to keep my mother alive for the next couple of years. Well, that would be great. Like that feels so gross (laughs) Um, that I hadn't really thought about, but like it would get me in a ping for a second, but I'm so used to Jimmy Carr that I'm just like, oh, Jimmy Carr is just a jerk. And that's the character Jimmy Carr plays. But yeah, I think it feels better. When it's like celebrities for charity rather than human beings. And I think that may be uh, hopefully where this show goes to. Nice. Good. I look, I look forward to seeing where it falls out in the long run. It sounds like it's got enough interest that we'll be seeing more of it. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. Well, we've been talking long enough. We're not going to pick a new group topic. I think we've had at least two group talk about already. So um, why don't we let folks know where we can be found real quick? Bruce. Uh, hey. Uh, I do the Party Game Cast, featuring the Party Game Cast podcast about party games and games you take to parties in all good theory. Uh, and also, you can find me at Brusco Thanks on Twitter. Eric. Hey, Onboard Games. You can find this at InverseGenius.com. Indeed. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the walls of the internet as Walsfio. Um, I'd like to thank both of you for joining me to talk about stuff we're super excited about. Um, yeah, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.